Janisha is not here with me today. Um, I do have a special guest today, though. Um, so I'm super excited to introduce her. She is a friend that I met in grad school. I'm going to call her Sheldon. and I'm going to give her a second to give you all her titles or anything else she wants to share. Um, but I am so excited to have you here. Um, we always are very intentional, I'm gonna use that word now, about who we ask to be on our podcast. I mean, you know, in season one, we're only in season one, but I think I reached out to Shelda first. I said, she has to be on this podcast. She was the first person I saw parent and doing so many things at once, like not just a mom, as if anything's wrong with that. Um, but I saw her and I'm like, oh my, I am... I'm amazed. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hand it over to her just to share a little bit about herself. And then I'm going, I'm about to brag on her. So I'm going to give it over to her. <laughs> she, you gonna have to get over it, Shelda, because I have to. So go ahead and Shelda and just tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever titles you want to give. Um, it's up to you. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for having me, Veta. I miss you. It's so good to see you, even if it's remote. Um, it's humbling to even hear you just talk about my parenting at all and to be a part of the first season of Sister Moms. Like, just thank you so much. Um, so as far as my titles, um, I think we all occupy lots of titles and roles. And the ones that I'm, I think that are most relevant to this discussion is that I'm a mom. I have two children, a boy and a girl. Um, and I am also a wife. And um, I'm a part-time entrepreneur as well as a full-time professional. Oh my, I love it. <laughs> and I know you're being super humble right now. So I love it. Usually in this part of the episode, uh, my sister and I go back and forth and we share one highlight from our week. Um, and so I'll share my highlight first and then hand it back to Shelda. Um, this week, I finally land me a little job. Like I said, a little job, but I'm still excited. Um, it's like a placeholder until I get to another place where I want to be. Um, as I stated on the podcast before, I'm kind of like in that refiguring out phase that some moms go through. So I'm excited and nervous about it all at the same time. So that's huge for me. Um, Shelda, share one thing from your week. Yeah, so after... Um, quarantining for two weeks straight. Uh, one of my best friends and I, we tested positive, tested negative, huh, negative for COVID. And so we drove and we met halfway. And so we're at this hotel, this winter resort. And it is a highlight of my week because I have not seen her in over a year. And it just feels good to let my hair down a little bit and just hang out with a friend. That is awesome. That is awesome. I'm so excited for you. Like, <laughs> Quarantine has been rough on a lot of us and to be able to get creative enough to say, how can we do this? How can we make this happen? That's cool. I love it. Um, so I shared just a tiny bit of how I know Shelda. I want to expound a little bit uh, more just because, um, well, people in my family know who you are because I spoke about you so highly. But um, when I was in grad school at University of Minnesota, um, I don't remember how I got invited. Shelda probably invited me to uh, the Black graduate and professional student 
association. Um, I was yeah. trying to think of the next thing. Was it? A, I think it was just an interest meeting. I'm like, sure. I'd like to see if I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> and I think at the end, she's like, okay, that's great. We'll just sign here or something. And I'm signing into a sign in. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, you are now vice president. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just wanted to express my interest in this group. But I, <laughs> I talked to Sheldon Moore. And I found out we actually went to the same undergrad. We just never crossed paths. And now they were like Facebook friends. I'm like, um, we have so many friends in common. I'm like, how did we not cross paths? We were there at the same time. Yeah. So I thought that was super, super dope. Um, but I remember Sheldon being one of the few people in grad school who, um, like she brought all of who she was to every space. So a lot of times I would see friends kind of switch when they were in class versus when they were out with their friends. And I said, like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then I met Sheldon and Sheldon was Sheldon all the time. And I was just like, yes. I love it. Um, and so I just kind of clung to her and she's just, she's been a, a gem. She changed the direction of my graduate school experience because I knew I didn't belong. And then I immediately just felt like, you know what, it's okay to bring who you are to any and every space. It's okay. So I love that. Wow. That is, <laughs> that is such a high honor because I actually, um, I know we're going to discuss intentionality. Like, I actually feel like that is not what I do. I feel like the more successful I am, um, the more that it comes at a price of not bringing my full self. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to like be vigilant and hold myself accountable and still remain intentional, but it is certainly a, a dance and grad school at university of Minnesota was the hardest place I've ever been where I, I just really felt like none of me belonged there. And so I had to like work through that. So that's, that's humbling. And you, you met me, I think about year two or three into me being there, year two. So maybe I had figured out a couple of things by then. <laughs> yeah. You did, because I remember we were sitting in a meeting once and the lady that was over the meeting, she's super awesome. But at the time I just was like, she's so arrogant. I can't stand her, blah, blah, blah. And Sheldon just kind of gently looked at me and was like, what you see as arrogance is possibly an identity crisis for her. And I'm like, I never thought about it like that. I feel so bad. And I just, I was just like, okay, I, I got to hang around this girl. She got some gems to drop. <laughs> so <laughs> on this episode, it's all about being intentional. So like we're moms, we're scared out of our minds. We don't know what we're doing. Um, and there's no perfect mom and there's no one way to be a mom. Um, but you can go intentional, um, go in it intentionally about how you want to parent in, in some ways. I mean, and kids are going to be who they are. But I wanted to invite you on because my first experience with you um, interacting with your son um, we were in like a cafe and I remember you guys communicating. I'm like, that is not how I, my parents communicated with me at that age. And it was just like, you gave him permission to like exist in a space amongst adults because in the black family, usually in the black home, they say, you know, stay in a child's place. Yeah. And I love that. So can you share a little bit about that? Like, were you intentional about that or did you grow up seeing that? Um, no. So I, I, um, I grew up on the outside of things and, um, 
in middle school, I read this book, just randomly came across this book, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And uh, the whole book was about, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's just about like people who are on the outside and this, this particular young boy who's on the outside and he's just looking at how people move around. And from reading this book, I was like, oh, like there's an advantage, like being on the outside means you can see what's happening and you can have a vantage point that can help you navigate the space. And I thought that this was really useful to me. So, you know, like if I'm in Atlanta, then I could talk like this, but then if I'm in a meeting at the University of Minnesota, then I speak more like this. And there's a world where that's considered to be code switching and that's like a negative thing or playing respectability politics. Whereas like, because I travel the world, I see it as um, being socially agile. Like being able to go into a space and saying how these people currently exist is not a problem. And I can adjust to that while still maintaining the integrity of who I am. And so as I was navigating that from space to space, it became important to me that when I had a child that um, he could do the same, um, that he could belong and be in community with whatever space, he, with whatever folks he was around. And so I, I just, I wanted that for him. Plus I, at the time I was a single mom. So it was just me and my son Truth. And I had made a commitment to continue to pursue my uh, professional dreams and also to not compromise his quality of life. So it was like, we're gonna have to move together. <laughs> so you've gotta be a person who can go to conferences. You gotta be able to per fly 14 hour flights. Like you gotta be able to do all the things that you would want for yourself, that I want for you, that I want for myself, because we're going to be experiencing it together. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I imagine like this, like fluidity and how he can be, he'll be able to move from space to space. Whereas like we, we enter these spaces and when we leave, we're like, okay, I need a break. I just need to unwind from wearing that armor or yeah. being this stoic for, for hours, you know, like that's amazing. Like, well, I mean, but we do that too, right? Like, because it, it takes something. I mean, like in truth, when we're done with this conversation, I am still going to wind down from it. I'm planning my rest from my vacation. Like I have Monday off so I can rest from, because like, because every space takes something from you. Every experience takes something from you. So the idea that recuperation means that you did something wrong is just not true. Like we recuperate because whenever we're around anybody else, we're typically more on than we would be when we're by ourselves. I just need to call you on a weekly basis. Oh my goodness. Yes. Just yes. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to jump into my next question before I start shouting. Okay. Um, <laughs> so as Black parents, um, we tend to have to sacrifice when it comes to choosing neighborhoods or schools for our kids. So usually we're like, well, I want them to grow up with kids that look like them, but that's not always the area where there's the quote unquote good school. Yeah. Or I want them to have the best, you know, academic experience so they can be prepared. Yes. So tell me about your family's experience with that. So we for sure grapple with that. Um, in my research, I have yet to find a community that is um, Black middle class with exceptional schools um, that have the kind of safety that I want, um, that have the kind of politic that I want. And by politics, like I'm squarely left of liberal. That means I believe in feminism. That believes that means I believe in freedom of expression. I believe in gender fluidity, sexual fluidity. So I really am not here for the dehumanization of anyone. 
um, typically those politics as they're lived out in everyday life um, in mass is with white folks. And so for me to have my child or my children at now um, to be around folks who at least speak the politics of humanization of all and to be in schools and public schools and public spaces that speak that language of humanization for all typically means that I'm in uh, predominantly white spaces. And um, it is heartbreaking. It, it is a compromise that we make all the time. And I mean, being really transparent with you, it means that we overcompensate, right? So we travel to African countries and we, like for Black History Month, I had to teach my son how to swag surf. Like, like we have grills, like we, 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 we send out Black History Month cards, which is not a thing. We send out Kwanzaa cards that we overcompensate because we know that in our daily life, like a black community is not around us. And my husband and I, um, we're both immigrants. So that means that we also don't have um, aunties, grandma, grandpa, we don't have those folks around us. So our children just see us and then the adults around us and our coworkers or our, our friends who are majority black, but are not in our same like immediate vicinity. So it's a lot of Zoom calls. It's like, it's, it's a lot of intentional connection because we don't have the luxury and the, and the comfort of just walking outside our door and seeing a reflection of ourselves and our values at the same time. Wow, man, I think we've had that discussion before. <laughs> In grad school, like um, I talked about how my parents were so, intentional and now I see it as I see it a little different they share experiences as we get older and they're like that's not how that happened <laughs> but um we found that that gem of a middle class black community or they found it you know I just yeah. I just was what did that girl tell me <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore <laughs> you know what happened girl the same old same old <laughs> right. Right. but yeah my parents um we moved from DC to Maryland and um Prince George County PG County. Because <laughs> <laughs> I look, I really look. I know the Baldwin Hills. I knew about the County. I knew about the places. But the other thing is, we're my husband and I are both professionals, so we can't just like choose to go live somewhere. We also have to have our jobs there, and often where the job is is not where our community is. Right, right, right. My parents were like, Ugh. my dad was driving two hours to and from work, and that's without traffic. Like. He was, they were so serious because of their experiences. My my dad uh, went to Baltimore, he lived in East Baltimore. Um, so, you know, he went to the schools there. Um, and so they were just like, our kids have to have the best of the best. So we went to this amazing like uh, elementary school first and Shepherd Elementary, which was in DC. We kind of like illegally going there because we didn't live there. <laughs> they found a way every time. And then when it Gosh. no longer existed, it just was just like, I remember the first time we went to a predominantly white school, we were like, um, this right. is, parents, this is not what we do. <laughs> right. No, like, like I went to um, my elementary school. I was, I went to school in Brooklyn. Girl, we graduated with kente cloths. We sang, lift every voice and sing every day, not just every like, day. Like my teachers were black with onks and stuff, locks. So like there were those spaces when I was a child, but today, baby, they go. I look at my kids like I don't know what to give you. Like I'm messing up. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so you compensate, but then you're like, okay, now I have to, I'm going to overcompensate because I don't know where to draw the line. It's so much rich black history that you're not learning in school that I have, right. I have to, I have to concentrate all that in what, 18 years of living. I can't do it. Right. So um, that's huge. Uh, and I could talk about that piece. I just got out of the classroom. And when you bring up education, it's, it's a never ending discussion. So I'm, a, I'm going to move on. <laughs> So my sister and I are new to this mom thing. Yeah. Um, and so we have discussions about instilling confidence in our child, in our children, in our girls. Um, you know, that we have that connection because they're girls. It's different. It's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to, I don't want to put more on you than society's going to put on you. I don't want to put on you what society's going to put on you. And so we're trying to build confidence in our thirties. Yeah. And, um, are you being intentional about that? I'm a, I'm aware this word out intentional <laughs> about instilling confidence. What does that look like? So, um, so it looks different, I think, for um, my daughter than it does for my son. And I actually think it needs to look the same. I just didn't do, I didn't know as much as I know now for my daughter. Um, and so now I talk about divesting from European standards of beauty. I didn't know that 10 years ago. So that divestment looks like making sure to point out the beauty in any and everyone. Like, like when we shift, when we shift what we think of as beautiful, because beauty is so arbitrary, like girl, big lips are hot today. They were not hot in fourth grade. I'm telling you, I got bullied for these, right? Like, you know, just everything like thick lashes. This is, this is, this is like now the trend, right? Beauty is trending. And so that means it shifts, but like your natural features, that's who you are. So if you can learn to love that from like day one, then as the beauty, as, as trends shift, it doesn't matter as much. I, 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 I like to brag about the fact that I was raised by a single dad, because I think that that contributed largely to my sense of personal confidence. Like my dad couldn't tell the difference. Couldn't tell the difference now. If you ask my dad to describe my hair, he couldn't tell you, but he'll tell you I'm beautiful. And he'll tell you my hair look good. Like, and he means it. Like he totally believes it because he wasn't worried about the minor details as much as I think a lot of women do. He's just like, by the fact that you're here, you're already enough and you're already beautiful. And so like, anytime you saw me, I already looked the best. I was already amazing. I was already beautiful. And I just try to really instill that in my daughter. And I actually try to not notice the things that the world will say isn't good enough because that's just, it's, it's trendy right like right now like if she her hair is locked that's cute now people are like oh my god your daughter has locked hair that's so amazing it might not be cool five years from now but if she already loves them then she can understand like oh people shifting with the tide but like who i am that's consistent and i can just hold on to that so, I mean, I'm trying, she's only two, we don't know. My son, he's, he's very arrogant. We are, we try to be an arrogant family. Like, I love it. we try, like, like you fly, like what? You know, we brag, we, we try to outdo each other. Um, and like, and we recognize that in our effort to do that, like it's very much curated partly because we are in predominantly white spaces. So we already know that the standard that our like community folks are operating with is not our personal standard. They don't care how their kids look. They don't care if their clothes are iron, but we do. So that means that we already have established like this internal standard that's not measured by anybody around us. And so it's just like, are you good with this? 
are you good with this? Like my son, I, I like to brag that he has, um, he's 12. He has a self-imposed uniform. He wears the exact same thing every single day. I hate it because it looks like he's been wearing the same thing for four years. <laughs> every picture looks like it was taken on the same day, but I love it because I'm like, didn't nobody tell you that? Like you decided that that worked for you. And even though I'm like, you've definitely outgrown those things. There are some holes in them. Like, like this is not cute. I'm like, you feel good in it. So go, go for it. And I'm just going to try to support you. That's beautiful. I'm curious though. Is, is, is there a reason? Is there a... Oh yeah. He's like, this makes make things happen a lot quicker. I don't, I don't really got to do nothing else. I don't got to think about it. I can go to games. I can go play outside. <laughs> I should have, look, I need to get some pointers from him. Okay. Right. After I had Deanna, I told my husband when we were going like back, he takes me back to school shopping for each school year. So I said, DJ, I need a uniform. We don't have time for this. Like literally there's a timer when I wake up and I got to get dressed before Deanna wakes up and put her in the car and run to get to school. I don't have time. And I need all my clothes to be wrinkle free. Yeah. The, the ones that don't wrinkle. I, I don't have time. I love that. Yeah. Tell him, kudos. That was probably the most damaging experience of going to a predominantly black school. Yeah. <laughs> the the comp the competition. The competition. And and I, we never wore uniforms ever. So it would be like, oh, you don't have the new J's. You don't. Have, and I'm like, please don't do this because I can't keep up. <laughs> I can't. You know what though? So he goes to a school where they wear uniform. Love it. He loves it. We're good. I didn't go to a school, like, I mean, I went to different types of schools, but um, in high school, there was no uniform. So I had the, the competition to keep up, but that's when I discovered style over fashion. I was like, if you can figure out what works for you, you're gonna always be stylish. Fashionable goes with the trend and you, you ain't got no money. Your dad ain't buying those things. You're not, you're not gonna be on trend, but you can still be stylish. So that's part of also how I got to like, just do what works for you. And if like, and the thing is, as Black folks, I figured this out a while ago. If you're moisturized, people don't even know if you don't look good. Like, like look, I, I was purposeful because I put lotion on. So I did this on purpose. <laughs> if people don't be clean and moisturized, anybody going to be worried about what you're really wearing. I love that. This is my last point about that because you just took me way back. And I will take out a question just to steal this space in, the, in this discussion. I went to school with this girl. Um, she was a military kid and she, um, when she got to school, she was already kind of just nervous and things like that. And she ended up, you know, getting in trouble and her dad took all her clothes away minus like three to five outfits, maybe shirts. I don't even know. And that girl learned how to style. Right. She would take feathers out of things and stick it in her hair. Yep. She would take beads from somebody and wrap it around her waist. And she would create styles. Yeah. Her dad, her dad would be like, I didn't send you to school to be cute. Right. <laughs> you listen to the point. I'm telling you, now nah, we know how to make creativity <laughs> out of nothing. <laughs> Look, we'll figure it out. Like my, my son now, go to school, uniform. He's stylish every day. I'm like, how sway? Like, how sway? How? <laughs> Okay. Man, I love that. So you and your family are super well-traveled. I aspire uh, after a, a two hour flight with Deanna was enough for me to be like, okay, you know what? We're going to pause this. I can't, can't do it. Tell me like, well, what's the best place you guys been as a family where collective you, collectively you might say, we all really enjoyed that. Um, I would, so if it's all four of us, I would say Martinique. 
Um, so I travel, my, I travel a lot for work and I like to bring the kids. So there's lots and lots of trips with me and just two kids, but all four of us that requires everybody has the same time off. So we went to Thanksgiving in Martinique, um, two years ago and, um, it was, it was cool because we didn't have an agenda. Like we were like, let's just get to this resort and just sit down. Um, we are an ambitious people. Like, like all of us are ambitious. Um, our daughter was not even one at the time. So it was just like, let's just like sit down, do nothing, eat the resort food. Like let's just do nothing. And it felt really good to be together in the same space the airline lost our luggage until the day we were leaving. And so that was really cool too, because it was like, we had to adjust. Like when they lose your baby's things and she's not even a year old, like that's like diapers, everything gone. And so like, I really love when our family gets together and problem solves. Like my son's like, all right, this is what we're going to do for diapers until then, you know, she's nursing, uh, husband's running around like this little island looking for things. Like it's just, at the time it was stressful, but in hindsight, it's like, we really came together. We functioned together as a unit to both relax, but also like to survive this challenge of not having any of our clothes or luggage or all the luxuries that we wanted to have with us on the trip. Love it. I love it. I'm so like, I'm when that next time, I think I told you before, when I travel somewhere with this child, I'm calling you because like, I think I did. I, I messaged you once. You were like, pack this and have this. Right. But also, let me be really clear. We're that family. Like, I know I'm avoiding eye contact with everybody on the plane because she's about to act a fool. Like, I know it. You know, like my son was well-trained. He was so good. She, no, Izzy. <laughs> Is this about to act with you on this plane? I'm really sorry to all of you. I wish there were adult only flights because I would like choose them when I had a chance, but there aren't. So let's just all suffer. <laughs> Together. I'm struggling I, too. <laughs> I used to be that snob when I got on the plane and people's babies, and I'm like, I'm going to put my headphones on. Like, no, I'm still a snob. <laughs> when I'm not with them kids, shut that baby up. <laughs> it's not fun to hear a screaming baby in a closed contained space it's not it's not fun and I I don't have any secret tricks other than like Benadryl which I don't I'm not it I'm not trying to do that so I'm suffering through it and I choose I try to choose to do less trips until we can get to a point where maybe she can like entertain herself or communicate well enough where she understands what's happening um like the same way I want, I want it so badly for truth to learn to be socially agile. I would like my daughter to also learn to be socially agile and not like in a mousy way. So I'm just like, how do I get you to understand that you screaming at the top of your lungs to not necessarily communicate anything other than you want attention is not only like not a fruitful way to communicate, but it's incredibly frustrating and annoying and disconcerting for everyone around you like why would you create that environment for folks when you could just use your words she gets that we can get back on the plane <laughs> you need to have that conversation now it's like and i want you to record that and then you know share it with hey. me <laughs> right. like, Mom. Hey. now she's you know what she said she'll say to me if i said that to her now you're a naughty kitten <laughs> is that a football show yes, yes. <laughs> that's what my daughter calls me you're a <laughs> Like, so, okay, good conversation. Good conversation. 
So we have a super intentional mom trivia question. Okay. Okay. You're at the dinner table. You have spent time cooking this delicious meal. And you're like, my family's going to love this meal. You sit them down, put the plates in front of them. And let's say Izzy, when she's old enough, she says, I don't want this. What do you say? I will say, I really like the way you're expressing your boundaries. Like you see something that you don't want. I love that you're saying, no, this is the only option we have right now. So you are welcome to not eat it. And when you get hungry, you can come back to it. I like that. That's the more articulate version of what my mama used to say. (laughs) You're going to eat this or you're going to starve. (laughs) Right. Right. But I really want to get excited and promote my daughter being able to say no. And that that's it. That's an okay thing to do. It's okay. It's completely okay for you to say no. You're maintaining your boundaries. You know, and I'm going to maintain mine. (laughs) Like, this is it. (laughs) This is all we got, boo. Hey, you ain't starving. (laughs) Right. Nobody starved from missing a meal, boo. Okay. I like that. I like that. I'll send little messages to my husband that I get from like the, um, what stage your child is in about the no thing and just to like here's a reminder it's okay because he was like I know you didn't just tell me no I'm like right let's move back yeah let's move back what does this mean what is she learning (laughs) we're we're two totally different levels about that thing so it's cool (laughs) for me I'm like I understand boo I understand um and I know I took up a whole lot of time so I'm not gonna ask you to explain your quitting tour I I just it, it was a phenomenal (laughs) I'm not doing a good job with it though I'll tell you that I um so my goal was to like quit all of these projects and things that I was a part of and just like rest in my space and enjoy the fruits of my prior labor um but instead I think I have a really busy mind and an ambitious mind and heart so even though I didn't take on new projects for the most part I just doubled down on the projects I still had, right? So now I'm um, in my full-time job, I'm working even harder than I even have to, mm-hmm. right? Like in my marriage, I'm focusing even more. In my, on my children, I'm focusing even more. And so it's just like, instead of resting, I'm just giving more elsewhere. <laughs> so you quit some things and then doubled in some other things. You're like, oh, that's just not, that's just not in me. The shelter that I know does not, no, you don't do anything halfway. You don't do it. Mm-mm. I want. <laughs> Girl, no. You can relax later. It's all good. Be you. Be you. <laughs> I so like appreciate you coming on here for this episode. I was looking forward to it. We're going to close out season one. I'm like, there is no way we're closing out season one till I get showed up on here. Okay. I have to have her. And so I appreciate you carving out time just for me um, and my sister. Uh, she'll be excited because I'm going to call her as soon as we get off of here. <laughs> yes Um, we'll have to get on another time seriously we're gonna have you on again so just be ready (laughs) so that's all for today did you have anything else you want to share no except that I'm just so proud of you and I'm humbled by like the way you speak of me and that you would include me in the first season like I'm so excited for all of this um I hope more folks follow like click and share um just thank you so much Thank you. You already said my part for me. As always, people, please subscribe and share. Thank you for watching Sister Mom.